the tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varner. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in coming to rank. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I'm Sam Amick, NBA Insider here, as always, with co-host, pal, frigid friend, back from Chicago All-Star Weekend, Joe Varden. What's up, brother? You know, I mean, being from Cleveland, that weather didn't bother me at all. So what? All right. So what? Give me fine. Uh, then let's, we're going to start with the weather. And I, and I was looking forward to, you know, having a little fun on this front and, and just a quick, you know, uh, preview for the listeners. We're going to talk All-Star Weekend. We're going to spin it forward. To the final stretch of the season, uh, we're going to talk about the news of the day. Cavs coach John Beeline uh, seemingly on the verge of leaving Cleveland. A lot to get into, but the weather stuff, because I'm the guy who was a late scratch to join our group out in Chicago for the All-Star Weekend affair. The guy who is on the West Coast and and had essentially an average temperature of, uh, I think we were in like the 52, 55 okay. range. It was, it was, you know, it was fine, but it was sunny. And it was spent a day in San Francisco, which was a little chillier um mm. but but out there i just kept seeing the the tweets and the complaints probably from west coasters not not kind of grizzled you know east, just kind of east coasters and, and and uh folks like yourself from cleveland but tell me how how, how chilly was it how bad yeah was it? i mean so the weather on wednesday uh and thursday was so bad that flights were being delayed and canceled and i was supposed to come in thursday morning uh, instead, moved my flight to Wednesday very early afternoon because the bad weather was basically going to hit two places, Chicago and Cleveland. Um, so I got in, uh, you know, a day earlier. And, and like I said, th- there were travel uh, disruptions, which does suck. And th- that is a reason to complain. But I mean, weather wise, you know, Chicago is an awesome city and it's huge and there's a million things to do. And like, yeah, it was cold for a day. Um, but I, I mean, it certainly wasn't, it didn't feel as badly weather-wise as Toronto did a couple years ago. Um, and sort of my, my take on this was my first day Thursday, and that was definitely the worst weather day. It was miserable. Um, but I went to a hospital, uh, as part of NBA cares. And at this particular event, there were no current players. We're talking to Kemby Mutombo, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, um, those I think were the three guys. Oh, Jason Collins was there. And then there were some WNBAers and they were visiting the hospital just as part, like I said, part of NBA cares. A group of them led like a sing along, uh, in a community room with the kids who were, this was a children's hospital. And so the kids who were sick, but well enough to get down to that floor, they were there for, for the sing along. And then, uh, the other, Part of, of the NBA team went room to room up in the PICU with some really sick kids. And you just kind of watching the looks on the kids' faces at the sing along and, and watching the parents light up when they saw, you know, Horace Grant come in the room and maybe they could talk to him about the Bulls' glory days and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, it just kind of dawned, dawned on me like, we, like, 
there are 27 other NBA cities that need this, not just Miami, not sure. just LA, you know, the, the places that are fun for you and I to go. Um, the, the, right. the all-star game coming to any city means so much to that city. And there's just opportunities created that are not there, you know, if you don't have that game. So, I mean, yes, weather-wise, the next three All-Star games are going to be questionable. We're, we're going to Indianapolis next year and then uh, Cleveland, uh, so I won't be going anywhere the, the year after that, and then Salt Lake City. Um, you sound really excited about Cleveland. Yeah, so you know. Big party at the Varden House. I'm not much of a host, but uh, <laughs> I'm a good party crasher, party hoster, I'm not sure. Um, but, but yeah, you so, go. you know, so, so that was kind of my take, like – the the benefits for these all star games are no, so I like obvious. It. I just we can get it. We can get over the weather for a few days. I mean, that, you're you're kind of a guy after my own heart. There, the NBA cares stuff. Um, and shout out to friend and colleague Chantel Romain, who does a lot of that stuff with NBA PR. Honestly, one of the highlights of my career is is occasionally going to events like that, seeing you know folks in need get some assistance, and you know you can. You can say it's corny, but it's meaningful and it's substantive. The league does try to, to really make an impact in these different communities. There's an interesting thread there to kind of bring it back to some of the on-court action. Uh, a thought that I had from watching from afar is that the the uh, introduction of the kids into the the entire landscape of All-Star Weekend, Team Giannis, Team LeBron, and the idea that uh, instead of seeing corporate sponsor you know folks sitting in those seats with golf claps and a lack of passion. You had kids on the court. It reminded me or around the court. It reminded me of when I went to India in the preseason with the Kings and the Pacers, they, on the first game, if you remember the exhibition game, they gave most of those seats in that game uh, in Mumbai to kids and it just changes the energy. And so from the NBA cares events to the fact that on the court, and I've heard other people talk about this, uh, people in that building, that historic United center building, did seem to feel like the children and that energy was a different look, a different feel, and that that might have played a small part, like a lot of other things. And what ultimately, I, I, you know, I think this part is seems to be pretty universal is a really, really successful All Star Weekend from the game to the dunk contest to everything in between. NBA cares. Um, how do you see some of that stuff? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. First of all, um, the game itself was fantastic. The changes implemented for the rules totally worked. It was great. Uh, the All Star Dunk or the All Star Saturday Night was cool. You know, we had a three point contest come down to the last shot. Uh, your boy, uh, you know, Buddy Healed, um, kind of bringing it back to Sacktown there. That that was good for 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 him. And then of course the dunk contest won for the ages. Um, we were freaking out. As Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Fall Live, we were sure from where I was sitting <laughs> that that was a fifty. And um, you know, but but as far as the kids thing, me, I'm gonna super fast, Joe. I'm gonna interject. Quick opinion. Uh, I heard our our colleague Dave DeFore on the uh, the back to back pod the other day or this morning, kind of talking about how he was booing in the All Star game when they called Giannis's block. Uh, a goaltend. Mm. I th- they didn't call it. A, did they call it a goaltend? No, they Remind called me. it a goaltend on the floor and then reversed it. Right. So it. it you know. You talk about you guys were were going nuts when certain things happened. I think I've decided I'm comfortable with the idea that the the expectations for media decorum at an All Star game are are you know significantly lower than they are at every other game that we cover. Do you feel like that's a, a fair assessment? I feel like it's okay for those of us who enjoy the game 
to in that setting to, to get a little more wrapped up in, in what's going on and, and have a little more fun with this. And we are a little, <laughs> a little tight sometimes on the, on that front, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, I saw Dave. Um, I did not, I was not next to him when he was booing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that you can do that if you're wearing a, <laughs> uh, a credential, but I mean, at the dunk contest, I mean, we have a whole, like, that's a whole thing, right? Like to, to, pretend like you're fainting when somebody dunks like we do it you know that happens every night in the nba so i think i feel like that part is okay um but but both for the all-star dunk contest and for the game itself i chose to put myself in the hockey press box so i was way up now why did i do that well it's because um, this is my sixth all-star game and for the first five i always had a seat behind the damn stage and as you know, they always put the stage for, for pregame and halftime performances in one end of the court, which is like they, that's where media seating almost always is in, in the end zone where they put that stage. And when this, when the backdrop for the stage goes up, you can't see. So like you'll never miss the game, but you will miss the concerts. And I didn't want to miss them. I didn't want to miss the tributes. I wanted to see what they were saying about Kobe and, and, and all the video stuff. So I sat way up in the hockey press box. I could see everything, but they were ants running around on the floor, which means that I couldn't get the same sense for the kids, um, like kind of injecting okay. that energy. I was just yeah. too far away. But it's obvious that right. it came through on TV, and I'm sure glad they did it. And yes, overall, this was a the the vibe and the execution throughout the weekend was just fantastic. All right, give me top of mind, um, just the the memories that you know that kind of left the biggest mark on you. If if you're sitting here just giving me your top three. Uh, things that either were shared with the global audience watching on TV or things that something like, you know, the uh, the Obama NBA Cares event. Uh, what comes to mind first for you? Just stream of consciousness. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I stumbled into the Hall of Fame press conference, which I'd never do that. And getting a chance to see Mike Breen uh, be announced as as getting in for his uh, career as as a uh, as an NBA TV broadcaster um, was certainly a highlight for me. Uh, he's somebody I just look up to, and and I I, I love that 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 was the first part. Um, the the fourth quarter at the All Star Game uh, was my was just like. When when we were growing up, you know, we remember these guys playing hard in the fourth quarters and even in the second halves, but nothing quite like this. Um, never forget that. Um, and then uh, on on Friday night, um, you know, you certainly would have been there with us had you been there. It was it's your it's your crowd. It was uh, went to dinner with your uh, you know old colleague Jeff Zilgid and Howard Beck was Jay-Z. there and Brian and uh, of course and uh, and Mike Singer, another of your colleagues, and um, and Mark Medina, your your replacement at USA Today. Um, yep. So we all we went to dinner at this Chinese restaurant. It's called uh, Duck Duck Goat, and the food was fantastic and uh it was with one of those kitchens where you can see into the kitchen and they had about 20 ducks hanging by hooks all of them with their with the heads still on the bodies which then nice. led me right down the main street of of telling all my old uh you know war stories of of chickens with heads and without heads eating in in china from this from september now, well, it also gives me a flashback to a Cleveland classic movie. Christmas Story was outside of Cleveland, right? Oh, yes. Am I correct on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the old Christmas Eve 
dinner as they uh, they had duck in, instead of uh, the normal fare. Um, that's good stuff. I, I I will say that you know there are not many criticisms of this weekend from what I have heard and seen and read. Um, outside looking in, the one that I do think has some merit is, and although not shocking, is that it would have been nice to to have a little bit more Michael Jordan presence. And we all know that he is, for the most part, a recluse and is not necessarily the type to, to cooperate in an event like this and and kind of, you know, be that guy who's going to help the, the locals and everybody all over the globe that enjoyed his run go down memory lane. But it felt kind of strange that there weren't more MJ components, even if they were, you know, specifically the, the lack of a, a tribute type of dunk in the dunk contest, um, you know, Derek Jones Jr., he did, you know, the closest thing to it with his, you know, above the free throw line, uh, I think through the legs dunk, which was pretty incredible. But that part felt kind of odd. Uh, now, part of that may be because certainly with good reason, you know, Kobe and Gianna and the, the other seven victims from the recent accident were being honored at every step. And maybe there's it's tricky to have those two things in the same space. But I found that a little bit strange. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um you, there were certainly mentions of Michael and there he was – the narrative that they build about what's important to the city, Michael was among the things. Um, but he wasn't the thing. Like the last All-Star game in Chicago was in 88 at Chicago Stadium and Michael won that slam dunk contest. Yep. So you're right. I mean like they could have done way more with that. Um, you know, he did have his Jordan party, uh, Friday. Yeah. So, so, and he was there from, from, from what I'm told. Um, so, so that was, but, but yeah, like you didn't feel like he owned that city. Right. Um, you know, they, they made a big deal of, of the former president, Barack Obama and who was there obviously, but, but you could really feel his presence and they really talked Chance, at length about it. I mean, they really, they checked all the yeah, Chicago boxes. They um, did. Yeah. It, it, you're right. It was, like they didn't just stick with Michael. Like it was much more of a celebration of the city as a whole. D Wade, Candace Parker, you know, you had a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of Chicago tie-ins. Um, no, it was, it was good stuff. Um, so listen, brother, on the basketball front, we're sitting here, uh, mid-February. Um, and, you know, this is not the halfway point, but, you know, inevitably it gets treated a little bit like that. Um, we got a third of the season left and, you know, y- y'all couldn't even let everybody get through the All-Star game without making us think about what was coming next. Last night, as the game was airing, uh, The Athletic reported with Sean Sharania, Jason Lloyd, Kelsey Russo, and Joe Varden contributing that Cavs coach John Beeline, the much maligned Cavs coach, the, the guy who obviously came from Michigan and has just had a brutal debut season in the NBA, appears to be on the verge of no longer being the Cavs coach. Now, timing appears to be in question. Um, This is your backyard. This is your expertise. We have not seen a coaching change this season, uh, unless I'm completely blanking on one. You you are. What am I forgetting about? Uh, Fizdale in New York. Oh, Fizz. Oh, that's right. God, that feels like a lifetime ago. Okay. No apologies, Mike Miller. Um, you know, the other Mike Miller. Yes. All right. It's been a while. Um, but this one is about as predictable as you could ask for when it comes to what led to it and the idea that it has not been going well, whether it was his team meeting, the video session where he said thugs instead of slugs. And, and that just obviously did not land well at all. Whether it's the reporting that you led with Kevin Love, um, problems with the coach, Kevin Love kind of arguments with GM Kobe Altman. So much going on in Cleveland uh, in general, but John at the center of most of it. What do we need to know about that situation? 
Well, I mean, the, yeah, the, the first story was in December where we reported that he um, that the players just didn't like him. They didn't like his style. They didn't like the way he was trying to communicate and, and sort of treat them. And they just didn't feel like this was being run like an NBA team. And, and that was um, so like publicly, that's kind of where this starts. But th- th- there's a couple of things to understand. You know, one, John, I don't think he ever liked this job. Um, he wanted out of college. Uh, he, I think he was excited to try this in Cleveland and, and training camp was a disaster. Everybody was hurt. They were getting beat by 30 points by Boston's G League team. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not speaking conversationally. That's true. Um, it, it, it was a nightmare and he was kind of thinking then that, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? And then all that kind of went away for just a little bit of time because the Cavs actually had a decent start. I think they were four and five. Um, and then things totally fell apart. And that's when the player, like John's sort of idiosyncrasies, that's where they, it started to rub the players the wrong way and kind of spill out into the mainstream. Everything else happened that you said um, happened. And then also, you know, th- there's just an issue with, with John's son, Pat, who was fired um without ever having coached a game, uh, I think at Niagara. I think that's the college where he was going to be the head coach. Yeah, I have yeah. that in front of me. Correct. Yeah. Niagara, just seven months after being hired, Yeah, according to USA Today. And that's a bad situation, and that affected John personally. Um, all the while, you know, he's getting his head kicked in every night. He knows the players don't like him. He can't communicate with them the same way that he would commu- – that he couldn't run that team the way he ran his stuff at Michigan and West Virginia. Um, and so – you know, he's never been comfortable. The Cavs never got into a rhythm with him. Um, and then there was some. Joe, let me dive stuff. in real brief. Yeah, I mean, before you move on, this just context here. Um, the situation with his son, the news report I'm reading from USA Today, and I, this was not on my radar until now. John had apparently tweeted after the news about his son um, stepping down says, Kathleen and I love our son Patrick. We will assist him in every way so he can focus 100% on his personal issues. We mm. believe that with a lot of hard work, he can do it. Thanks for res- uh, respecting the privacy that Patrick and his family need at this time. Obviously no details, but any, any family person can, you know, feel that. I mean, it's, it's obviously a heavy uh, situation there. Yeah, it is. I mean, I know what it is. Um, it's not my place to say it, um, but I think you'll see, I think that will eventually become part of the discussion. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's been a hard time over there uh, for for the Beeline family for sure. So for the Cavs, um, first of all, some of your guys's reporting on Dan Gilbert has been, I think Lloyd wrote recently that reminding folks that that uh, that Dan was the one spearheading the Beeline hire, that Kobe and you know just get me back on course if I'm getting any of this wrong, but that Kobe had some other candidates in mind, some younger candidates in mind when the Search was beginning, you know, post Ty Lue, obviously. Um, that that's always a slippery slope when when owners are not empowering their GMs fully to make the coaching higher. Is that in fact what happened here? And and kind of what do you think it, it means as far as what's next? So the Cavs may have led, and and I mean, it sounds like I'm you know making this up a little bit, but it's really true. Like they probably had one of the most expansive uh, coaching searches, at least in the early stages. Ever, um, I mean, double-digit candidates, and and it was a high number, like more certainly more than ten. Um, 
just interviewing people all over the place and they all fit one general mode of never been a head coach or barely been a head coach in the NBA um, or, or anywhere actually. Uh, huge background in NBA player development. On the younger side, so somewhere between the ages of 35 and like 52 or so, um, you know, understands NBA life, like, like, been working on the court with these guys, like, as, you know, I mean, working them out before games and at practice, like, everybody was in that mold, all of them. And they're right. getting ready to finish up the first round of, of these extensive interviews. And all of a sudden, it just, breaks that oh actually no the Cavs have hired John Beeline and how did that come about well I mean there was a meeting between Dan and uh and and John as the Cavs front office was still spilling out across the country to complete these interviews um and you know once the interview or once the discussion between Dan and John took place that was it he was hired now all of a sudden you have a guy who's 66 years old has been a head coach in college for 27 years, never set foot in the NBA, totally out of the mold of everybody else they'd interviewed. And, you know, it, it turned out not to work. So this stuff is fluid. And, and as you know, our guys and yourself reported today, John is meeting with Gilbert on this Monday as we record the pod. Um, you know, so again, maybe we have to edit if things do in fact change. But what do you what's your, your feeling right now about where this goes in terms of timing and how quickly something uh, might actually happen? Yeah, I mean, as uh, of. Oh, sorry. I was you just. Oh, Joe Varden retweeted. You just distracted me. When I had chat. Good job. Buddy. Uh, <laughs> keep your eye on the ball, you, Sam. Now, you well, you're the now, you know, you have direct notifications coming to my phone. Oh, you geez. just retweeted the the update. And but that, yes. Uh, what do you think happens here? Well, now I'm getting I'm getting texts as we're as we're talking from former Michigan reporters asking me why Beeline's son got fired. So, right. Oh, boy. Um. Anyway, um. Yeah, as of now, uh, I mean, John's going to talk to Dan. Uh, that's at two thirty in the afternoon on the East Coast uh, on a Monday. I I don't see any way, zero way that that John could possibly come back and coach another game um, because now. I mean, we've been writing for weeks, right? That that he either doesn't have the locker room or barely has it, or it's not going very well. And now you've got a room full of guys who know he's out. And, and if he's, if he's not out today, then he's out at the end of the regular season. And that just doesn't work. You know, right. you know, you have JB Bickerstaff right there and his dad, Bernie is a senior advisor to, to Kobe Altman. Like, so it's all right there. Like, right. like just so you guys know, um, Larry Drew, who was the interim coach last year and then they removed the title, which that's a whole nother thing. He wanted to quit at the all-star break last year on Cleveland. Just w- right. wanted to leave, wanted to have them promote whoever their G League coach is. I don't even know. Um, I don't know if uh, if Adam Silver's intent when he made the, the All-Star <laughs> break longer was to compel coaches to think harder about how miserable they might be. I'm, I'm sensing that, you know, I think this might be an unintended consequence of of the uh, the longer break is, is coaches looking at that squad and saying, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to come back. Cancun's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but like, that's, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Don't you think like consecutive coaches oh, wanting to sure. leave the 100%. team? And, and no, they, it doesn't, it's an indictment of leadership right. in the environment. And, and, 100%. and so, you know, Larry Drew had more than a million dollars coming his way. 
play and he was talked out of this, I think, by his agent. Like, you you cannot do this. Like, the, it's insane. You can't leave now. Just stick it out. Is this aggregated material here, uh, Varden? Or, or is, is it should this, be. Uh, has this been reported? I'm <laughs> no, just saying, it, I didn't know. Have you used this before? No, we have not. We have not used it. Right. We, when, um, Good stuff. Um, but, but at the same time, in John's case, it's different because it's clear it's clear he doesn't want to do this. It's clear the Cavs understand the mistake, but he's got a contract for several years on it. So what do you do now? You got to figure out a way to buy him out of it or, or get some kind of settlement so he gets some money for his trouble, um, but he can move on and, and the organization can move on. Yeah, we'll see what happens there in terms of uh, timing, timeline. They play at Washington on Friday, so – Clock's ticking here. Um, there's some threads to have a natural segue to another situation that that myself and, and Shams mm-hmm. and Jason Jones reported on uh, going into the break, which is the Sacramento Kings situation. And the thread is this. You just mentioned with the Cavs and Beeline that one of the considerations is the length of his contract and the financial impact of signing a guy to a five-year deal, correct? Mm-hmm. And then possibly parting ways with him you know, halfway through the first season. Um, the Kings last year, when they were turning things around and creating a ton of good buzz, De'Aaron Fox appeared to be the franchise centerpiece of one of the better young cores in the league. Things were going well. They were a surprise team. They give Lottie Divots, their GM, a an extension that runs through the 2022-23 season. Uh, he later ends up firing Dave Yeager, hiring Luke Walton. Luke ends up getting a contract that also runs on that same exact timeline. They now have both these guys locked up for that span of time. And as we reported, the problem is that their owner, Vivek Ranadive, is not a happy camper. And his discontent has been consistent in a lot of different circles. Um, he's he's just not being shy whatsoever with people with whom he speaks about what he thinks has happened this season with the Kings now going back in the other direction. And it's the same type of question is that, you know, they have in the past – year or two years pondered the value of stability and they've been well aware that all the different turnover front office and coaching wise for their organization has not been healthy. Um, now it appears that, you know, if I had to handicap it, I, I do think that Vladdy in particular uh, appears to be in some fairly serious peril when it comes to that job. Now with Vladdy, I always, this part I kind of love that from a life standpoint, I mean, he's he's not sweating a day at the office. You know what I mean? This guy, life-wise, will tell you right away that I came back to the organization to get them back to the playoffs. It means a lot to me, and that's why I'm here. But, you know, good luck getting him to, to actually look over his shoulder in any kind of shook sort of way, if that makes any sense. But, but bottom line, they've got a decision to make here. But also, Joe, to tie it back into All-Star Weekend, um, I, I need to shake the hand, and I, this is – a low key troll on my part. I need to shake the hand of the person who organized the NBA tech summit schedule, because I don't know if you, if you caught this, but uh, Vivek who again, not only frustrated with front office and coaching, but specifically very unhappy about the fact that Luka Doncic of the Mavs has turned out to be such a wonderful player and that the Kings had a shot at getting him. Instead, they draft Mar- Marvin Bagley, the third at the tech summit, Vivek is on the same panel with Luka Doncic. <laughs> Brutal. And to give people the idea, the Tech Summit is an event that it, had I gone this year, I always go to the Tech Summit. I had to you know, let them know I wasn't coming, give up my seat. It's a tough ticket. 
Um, it is a great event. It's off the record. Now, this part is, you know, public information. Um, I did hear, you know, from some folks who were there that, that the awkwardness that you might have predicted was certainly, in fact, part of the vibe. Uh, I just I can't get over the fact that, that given the state of their team, where they're headed, where they've been, what's going on, that uh, that Vivek and Luca on a panel that also included, I'm looking at it here, Chris Paul, Candace Parker, Charles Barkley, uh, Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN. They were talking technology. They were talking the fan experience, uh, but it, it, it tied a hell of a little bow on, on this whole story. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't know. I, I did not attend this thing, um, but – you know, I mean, your story was the story heading heading sort of into the into All Star Break, um, and you know, I mean, not everybody talks about Luca, but they could have had Trey Young as, as well. Um, and and you're talking about this, the sort of this uh, the future of the NBA. I mean, those two guys are definitely a part of it. They were right. both. Um, they were the first uh, players in a. They, they were the first two players to be all star. Like, how do I want to say this? The Rising Stars game, which is rookie sophomores, um, had two all stars in that game in Luca and Trey for the first time since 2005 when Bron and D Wade were in that game. Um, so it's a long time, and the Kings could have had both of those guys. Um, either, right. either of those guys. And so, I mean, usually when you have a front office and you're trying to complete a rebuild and then you have a chance to make a draft pick like that and you make the wrong pick, you, you don't survive that. And, and I don't see certainly in this case, um, I mean, you've reported the sort of the explanation for why they didn't draft them. And that doesn't seem to hold, hold a whole lot of water, um, which is trying to pair, uh, De'Aaron Fox with a big, you know, instead of, right which it's just it's just yeah it's i mean they thought they, they for lack of a better way of putting it they thought it would it would kind of usurp some of De'Aaron's superpowers um and putting the ball in luca's hands um and, and the bottom line is that vivek clearly can't get over that decision he is not moving on uh and, and so then again you're pouring salt in the wound as he shares a stage with luca um, so we'll see what happens there. I do not anticipate anything happening until the summertime. This is not a Cavs situation in terms of it being front and center right now. Uh, before we get out here, Joe, and the last segment uh, is the the hoops itself. Um, I've decided that I want to spend the you know the final few months, assuming nothing changes here, trying as as well as I can to both appreciate the Milwaukee Bucks mm. and how incredible they are. Uh, while also doing my part, you know, a public service basketball writer in the actual coverage standpoint, shedding light on this because, for one, if they go and and you know and you know drop the the ball so to speak in the playoffs and don't get the job done, then all of the conversation with good reason is going to be the you know falling short of expectations. What does it mean for Giannis as he decides to uh, whether or not to sign his extension this summer? But right now. It's a little bit – it reminds me of those years covering the Warriors, when whether they're pushing for 73 wins. The Warriors, because of the, their personalities, because of their market, all these other different factors, the Warriors captured the, the – the, you know, kind of the attention of everybody globally who cared about the game. And we chronicled, you know, a season like this that they had had. One was, you know, marginally better. Um, it's starting to drive me nuts that we're not appreciating the Bucks well enough. And I don't know exactly where I want you to take that. You've written about them recently. Um, I think the all-star break 
breathers was a, a kind of a reminder for me that you just sit there and you look at the numbers, you look at the dominance, you look at Giannis in this all-star game as a guy who embodies all that is good about being a competitor. Um, I just love what they're bringing to the table. And I think we got to make sure that we're actually paying attention here. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the the thing more than, more than any other part of it is just who is paying attention. Um, you're right. Like I wrote last week, basically what you're saying, which is just that, the Bucks are on pace to have one of the three greatest regular seasons in NBA history, um, and all they are is great. Like they, they're not—they're um, not dramatic, they're not flashy, they don't generate like off-court gossip and drama. They just show up to work every day and kick your ass and go home. That's what they do. Um, and right. so, you know, I—I don't—I—I don't. Um, I, I don't I don't see anybody beating them this year to get to the finals out of the East. I think they are by far the deepest team. Uh, Giannis is just watching Giannis. I'm, I'm having more fun watching him this year than I ever have in the past. And I know he's the reigning MVP, but but he's clearly having a better year this year. Um, How great was that that block on LeBron as he bodied him up? And and again, he cared. He looked. I mean, he, he took the LeBron challenge. In a kind of way that I can't remember seeing anybody. Again, it's an exhibition game, but but I thought that that captured him pretty well. It did. Now, don't forget, um, which is which makes this even better. Just the whole, you know, the All Star thing is that on the possession or two before LeBron went right at him and scored. Yeah, um, no, it was great, and it was so that was good to see from a LeBron perspective. Um, I, we've watched him have a little bit of trouble with Kawhi every now and then so far in the Lakers Clippers series. So it, it was good. To see LeBron be able to score on Giannis, and then also, yeah, I mean, the the chase down block was just fantastic. But but with with the Bucks, you know, I mean, they're great. They they have um, Giannis. They have another All Star in Chris Middleton, who's really really starting to play well. Eric Bledsoe has been having a very very nice season. Um, George Hill is leading the league in three point field goal percentage. They have Kyle Korver who can shoot threes. Um, DiVincenzo has been very good off the bench. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez, you know, playing center has been good. So they're, they, they're, they're, I mean, I mean, you know, to say they're very good is selling them short. They, they could very well become the third team ever to win 70 games. I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to come out of the break at 46 and eight. Um, I know I'm, I'm putting the card ahead of the horse. We're still four months away from NBA finals time, but to hear you break down the Giannis LeBron stuff in the All-Star game like you referenced the the chase down block I was even talking about the one on the wing where <clears throat> where you know Giannis bodied him up but but to see Giannis's attitude towards LeBron was to get me excited about the prospect uh you know we don't root for outcomes I think it's okay for me to root for superstar clashes I would be just fine seeing a Bucks Lakers finals where Giannis and LeBron we're doing this thing for real and doing this thing on a stage that that obviously would be a whole lot more meaningful. Um, and, and that's, I mean, to put you on the hot seat there as we sit here in mid-February. I mean, do you think, given what you know about that Bucks team, you know that this is a squad that that might be, in fact, lifting that trophy up at the end, or do you still have questions? No, I mean, I I, I feel great about them. I, I feel like they have a chance to win it all. Um, I, I mean, I I don't say that about almost anyone. Um, I, I still believe that it will be Bucks Clippers. Um, and the Clippers are probably the deepest team in the NBA. 
And so that would be the team that would give them problems. I think that Milwaukee went out and got Marvin Williams specifically so they can match up with all those, all those giant wings that the Clippers have. And that'll help. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in a seven game series, I, I, I think the Bucks would beat the Lakers. Um, Clippers, I just, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, they, they had their chance. They had their shot at Kawhi last year and Kawhi took them out in six games. Um, I think he's the best player in the league uh, when he wants to be. And so I might hedge Clippers there, but yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Those, those two or three teams. As a quick aside, as we uh, we head out here, uh, one of my favorite moments of the weekend. I, I didn't watch all of the All Star festivities, um, but I was watching the the game itself, and Kawhi gets MVP. And my wife, who does not watch the game ever, um, to see to see somebody with a fresh perspective um, watch a Kawhi Leonard interview for the first time was, and also by the way, somebody who is a middle school teacher who like has a a really good feel for just kind of personalities and kids and, and he's not a kid, but like, you know, he's it just, it, it made me laugh because she's sitting there reacting to the plain way in which he speaks. I forget exactly what he said in that interview, but he is, you know, essentially said, well, I, I wanted to go out and try hard and, and that's what led to the MVP trophy. And it was a classic Kawhi interview, but he did what he, what he does. I know most of his damage was done in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was neat. He, to whatever degree Kawhi ever opens up, uh, his comments about Kobe Bryant and the meaningful nature of winning that award, being the first one to do so, you know, he did go there a little bit as opposed to doing what he typically does, which is, you know, kind of spit out very direct statements. Um, so, you know, Kawhi in a, in a subtle kind of way, reminding folks who he is and, and we'll see where it all leads brother. Um, I'll leave you with this because I can't, especially because I wasn't there. I can't get enough of the, the stuff that didn't show up on TNT you got to give me, you know, one or two more quick observations or highlights from, you know, the the embedded part of your experience, whether it's a, a media person uh, doing something memorable or, or <laughs> you know, just, you know, I mean, dish dirt on somebody here. What else oh, did I miss out there? Well, I mean, I can dish dirt on myself. Um, oh, what would you do? Well, did you go for our- a run? That's, that's how I'm going to know what kind of weekend you had. Did you go for a run? This weekend. Well, of course. All. I mean, like, okay. well, I mean, all listen, right. just to survive like the 4,500 calories a day I was putting away between <laughs> all the carbs and the alcohol. Um, but, but no, I mean, uh, on Friday morning, they have, you have the rising stars media availability. And then right after that, there's an NBA cares event inside the arena. But I was leaving. Um, I was getting out of there so I can get on with the rest of my day, with the rest of my work. And so I left right after, right after the availability. I didn't stay for the cares. I didn't stay for their practice. And of course, like the nanosecond that I stepped into the Uber and was driving away, I started to look at my phone and see all these tweets that President President Barack Obama was not only in the building but accessible. Like. Oh man! Everybody was getting close to him, and and uh, and and like ca- caption all these videos of him talking to all the players, and god damn it! I mean that just that pisses me off. Um, right? <laughs> you know, I I rode in his motorcades. Um, like I, like I, I had jobs where I had to stand your, next your to him. Past life as a yeah, political reporter, like yeah. like and like I had jobs where I had to stand next to him as the pool reporter and just like like take notes and press record as to what he was saying. But in that particular role, you are not to talk to him. 
Like that's just decorum. Right. So like I've stood shoulder to shoulder with this man and never got a chance to turn around and shake his hand. And so right. now like now that he is no longer president and he's still big time in the NBA, like he is more accessible and more people are getting to meet him. And like I just feel like – I don't know. I just – you know, I just feel like being selfish about this and I feel like – Opportunity him. lost. That's right. Yes. All right. So, Fair enough. Tough All one. Right. Well, tough one. All right, man. Good stuff. Uh, welcome back. To uh, another cold city uh, that's you know, <laughs> more of the same. But uh, thank you to the listeners as always. If you haven't just yet, please do us a favor and subscribe. Give us a nice rating if you enjoy the podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Joe. I'm going running. <laughs>